as my six-month newborn is lying on his stomach, sleeping with his mom, I finally have some time to get some work done. Watching my little one grow, and meeting and even exceeding some of his gross motor milestones, I have been reflecting on what it means to learn, how learning occurs, and how it can contribute to self-fulfillment and even lead to happiness. You are listening to the OT Dude Occupational Therapy Podcast. This podcast explores who occupational therapists are, what they do, and how they are changing our lives for the better by promoting engagement in everyday activities that are important to us or our occupations. This podcast will discuss various healthcare and wellness topics, review core subjects for exams, update you on the latest research and trends, and get you excited about the wonderful profession of occupational therapy. Now, here is your host, Jeff, the OT Dude. In contrast to my little one, Growing up, my environment for learning was much different. Although I was born and raised in the United States, I did not grow up with the typical American childhood, so to speak. I was the oldest of my cousins and the first generation to grow up as a Chinese American. There's a term for my generation called ABC or American-born Chinese. My family valued education, much like many parents of other ethnicities and cultures. My grandfather is an avid reader and writer, and his space looks like a library of books, newspapers, and clippings, all surrounded by a computer that he has learned to use. As much as education was valued due to the communist revolution, my family and relatives received little education. Some even did not attend high school. My family members attended ESL classes in America in the evenings and worked during the day for probably minimum wage. Although education was highly valued, there were not many opportunities for me to really learn outside of school due to my family's busy new immigrant lives. As immigrants who came to the United States with not much in savings, all of the adults had to work, even my grandparents. My grandmother, who was a homemaker who helped to raise my cousins mostly on her own, even helped to bring in side income during her downtime by sewing. I was told that growing up, I was very quiet and well-behaved and mostly sat there as my family went about their busy lives. But was I really learning optimally in that environment through occupations such as play? In contrast, it may be that I am an occupational therapist, but my wife and I have tried to really provide my little one with a rich learning environment since birth. When I sat there and passively watched my grandmother sew another piece of clothes together as a child, in contrast, my little one did tummy time and looked at black and white contrast pictures with all sorts of sensory stimuli. Although I was the most well-behaved among my cousins, I did not do so well in school. My GPA was a 2.75 in high school. I got rejected from all of the colleges that I applied to and attended junior college for many years before transferring and earning a bachelor's degree from UC Davis. I remember one time my parents taking me when I was younger to the public library and they asked me to find a book I was interested in reading. I struggled to find a book, wandering from bookshelf to bookshelf. I think I came back with a comic book or something and was being judged for not finding a more, quote, serious book. Perhaps it was because English was my second language and I was dropped off in preschool not knowing how to speak English on the first day of school. It was a little traumatizing, and it showed even in middle school. I got anxious when we took turn reading passages out loud in my class, I got C's in my essays, and I struggled with history, earning a D in my freshman high school history class. Fast forward many years, and now have a master's degree in occupational therapy. So what changed? Why did I do so poorly when I was younger? 
You could say because English was a second language in my environment, I was slow to warm up, maybe. But even in my earlier college years, leading up to graduate school, I did not do so well in my courses either. Put simply, I was just not interested in those mandatory college courses. So I can say with 100% certainty that what changed was motivation and self-drive to learn and succeed. Knowing that I wanted to become an occupational therapist gave me the why and the reason to work hard and learn as much as I could in OT school to pass the NBCOT exam on my first try and get a job right away where I interned for fieldwork in a hospital. And you can do it too. Even if English is your second language, if you had a rough childhood with trauma, lack financial resources, have a disability, delay, neurodiverse, or even consider yourself, quote, too old to learn, follow your dreams and let learning take you there. Learning is lifelong, and the earlier you learn, the better, of course, such as a foreign language, but it is never too late to learn, and you should never stop learning because it can make you more competent in various topics and even happier too. We all know this, but do we follow this advice or do we become distracted by modern life? Netflix, social media, alcohol, and so on. Occupational therapy and occupational science strive to understand and help humans attain their engagement in everyday activities that are meaningful to them or their occupations. What drew me to occupational therapy is the ability to solve complicated problems when other professions may not be able to with a holistic, client-centered approach to do the things that people want to do. But even though I have a master's degree, I do not consider myself very smart. What is smart? Earlier researchers and clinicians tried to figure out how to measure intelligence with IQ tests. But we have come to find that some of the earlier assessments, such as ones that used culturally-based pictures instead of English, were fundamentally biased against lower socioeconomic people or people from other cultures besides the mainstream. Am I really smart or did I figure out how to, quote, beat the academic institutional system? To get a high or near-perfect GPA in graduate school, it really boils down to doing well on your exams and group projects. Some of it may be memorization, which is something that can be overlearned with dedication and time and then probably forgotten, with no consequences or accountability, really. But OT school was even harder, as critical thinking was incorporated in almost all of the work, not just memorization. So what about accountability? Like, my college teacher is not emailing me and asking me why I forgot the periodic table, even though I have a college degree in chemistry. But the truth of the matter is, I chose to study chemistry because I was told I should study chemistry to become a pharmacist because they make a lot of money and they help people. Not to speak badly about chemistry or pharmacists and not to say it's all about the money or anything, but it just wasn't for me. Which is why it probably showed when I did not get hired when interviewing for my first new grad chemistry positions. To the interviewer, they probably saw right away that it was not for me because my heart was not in it, and I thanked them for that. For I likely would have failed at my job and been miserable, maybe even depressed if I got hired and worked there for a long time. Not getting hired really gave me a chance to reflect on what I wanted to learn next and what to do at that point in my life. Society, at least in America, highly values the traditional 9-to-5 job. Some of that is beginning to change after COVID-19. Why is the traditional job so valued? It not only provides a source of income, but health insurance, benefits, and life security for the most basic of human needs. At least 134 countries have laws setting the maximum length of the work week. The United States does not. 
So is it really the end of the world if you change careers, quit your job, change your path in life for what you want to learn, or just to take even a vacation? Oftentimes, not really. I was quite surprised when one of my blog readers sent me a personal email thanking me for my content, which led them to actually quit their job at a skilled nursing facility as an occupational therapist. Now, this is not to say that a skilled nursing facility for OTs is awful or anything. I actually shadowed at a skilled nursing facility and became even more inspired to become an OT from that experience. And I don't know this person who wrote me these emails and their situation, but this could be the case for any dream job, position, or profession. At first, I thought, oh no, I influenced someone to quit their job. I hope I did not ruin their life. But after thinking much about this person's situation and what they told me, I likely had a positive influence on their life. Maybe they had poor work-life balance, were stressed out or overworked, or whatever, but I know they were just plain not happy. Maybe they stopped learning and the job got boring, but as they get a new job or go the self-employment route, whatever they decide to do, there is sure to be a lot of learning involved. And to me, that is what is more fun, rewarding, and worthwhile. Perhaps boredom is the worst thing you can become complacent with and replace with non-learning. Self-care and leisure are indeed important, but I think the way to battle boredom and unhappiness even is with learning what challenges your brain. And when I say learning, it is not specifically for academic subjects or reasons. Learn what you want to learn, whether it is a hobby, interest, curiosity, or for a career. If you're interested in learning how to play the piano, get better at fishing, be better at dating or socializing in public, coding and programming, photography, fitness, child-rearing, whatever it is, find time to learn that. I know life is life. You have to make ends meet or put food on the table. So don't necessarily quit your job right away to learn. Of course, you have to be responsible, but find ways to find time to learn. If you are watching a little too much Netflix, playing a little too many video games, spending too much time on social media, drinking or doing a little too many drugs, whatever it may be, there is no balance and the scale is probably tipped in favor for certain activities. So it's likely that you can devote more time to learning. There really are no excuses for barriers to learning in the year 2021 and onwards. When I was growing up, learning meant having to spend money on an encyclopedia. Who remembers those red encyclopedias? I think my old room still has them all on a bookshelf, or having to go to a library or buying a book on a subject you were interested in. It meant spending real money or a lot of time researching and actually learning from not many types of platforms or mediums. If you are listening to this podcast, you have the tools to learn. I have come to really appreciate the power of the internet and the tools at our fingertips for occupational therapy and OT dude. If you want to learn something, I believe the best platform we have today is YouTube. In the early days of YouTube, it was for people to post cat videos and random things, but has become an encyclopedia of learning by mostly user-generated content, much like Wikipedia. And it's all free. While Wikipedia is nice, it is very surface level and formal. With YouTube, you get the variety of life. Using YouTube, I learn how to edit videos, take photos and produce music, even fix up my house using YouTube and sometimes Google. Even if you come from a country or background with limited resources, hopefully there is a library you can go to with a computer that you can use to access the internet. This is why I value bringing the internet to the masses and with projects like SpaceX's Starlink satellites to bring internet to rural areas. It allows everyone, even if they are disabled, the ability to start on an equal playing field and learn whatever it is they want to learn. 
And what is so amazing is that you can earn money and make a living from learning things on YouTube, oftentimes from very smart and successful people providing valuable information all for free. Sure, there are internet trolls and such, but you can even comment and get a response from them. It really blows my mind. Learning, real learning, takes motivation and interest. It takes time and repetition. It takes patience. It has to be internal, not external. Not because it is part of a curriculum, class, or because someone told you or recommended that you learn it. I think this is good general career advice. It may sound cliche, but follow your heart and your dreams. But of course, be realistic. Follow your personal interests across different categories of self-care, productivity, and leisure. You don't need to go to college right away if you don't know what you want to learn yet. Take some time off to figure out what you want to learn. If you find yourself wanting to play an instrument, but your parents tell you to become a doctor, you will likely not be happy as a doctor, but who knows, probably you have what it takes to become a famous musician. Learn things that you get lost in, that are fun, where you go in a state of flow, and time passes quickly, and does not seem like work to you, even if it's at 3 in the morning. Many OT students may consider reading and researching occupational therapy theories to be boring and pointless, but for me, it is very interesting and not seen as work. If you find it boring, that's not to say anything about you becoming a bad OT student or practitioner. You just are not interested in it. Many students want to get to the practical stuff like how to provide interventions for children with autism or how to help someone put on a shirt with one hand after a stroke. And there's nothing wrong with that. They will likely make great clinicians working with clients one-to-one. Believe it or not, I actually learned some of these things from my patients themselves on the job, not in a book or from my teacher. Guess how we learned in OT lab how to tie a shoe with one hand? My teacher pulled up a YouTube video. It wasn't from a textbook or research study. This shows that practical knowledge and skills are nice to learn in school, but sometimes you just have to learn it on the job or figure it out from even your clients. On a similar note, one of my patients who had an upper arm amputation figured out how to tie his shoes with one hand using an alternate method than one you probably learned in school. I was impressed. This shows the power of the human will and the willingness to learn for function and purpose. It's so OT. So my homework for you is easy. Follow your interests and you will naturally learn. Pick up any book that interests you, even if it's a comic book, or watch YouTube videos that interest you or listen to a podcast that has the potential to engage your mind actively, not passively. You'll be able to go places with more knowledge and skill set you build on long after college. You don't necessarily need to be an expert in one area either. Put me in a room with 10 occupational therapists, some even new grads or OT students, and they are likely all better occupational therapists than me. So if you are struggling with prerequisite courses for your pre-OT and applying to OT school as an OT student in fieldwork, studying for the MBCOT exam, or as an occupational therapy practitioner, one answer may be to make it fun and interesting to you. Maybe relate it or reframe it as another interest or hobby. For example, if you are into golf, make it a theory related to how you play golf, how to do a golf swing or famous golf players. This is so OT and holistic and meaningful to you and your specific interests that it will likely be very successful for your learning. Why not use OT on yourself, right? What matters are your interests and skills you learn and how you combine these skills together to make you happy. For example, for me, video editing, my creativity, OT knowledge, empathy for other people, and interest in listening and learning from other people make becoming a YouTube content creator fun and very rewarding. As your life experience and background and culture will be different than mine, I believe that we are all unique and have something really to offer society. 
because someone out there is probably interested in hearing or learning your story and learning from you. Maybe you have a rare condition, are really good at a random talent, good at drawing, dancing, playing a sport, talking to people, memorizing facts, whatever it is, it is a valuable skill and thing that is unique to you and your personality. Find a way to build on your interests and skills through learning and with the power of the internet and continual advances in technology, you can not only benefit society like how Steve Jobs has with the iPhone, but you can become happy doing it because it does not feel like work. Thanks for listening and take care. See you in the next episode.